Okay, we're recording. Yes, sir. Welcome, everyone, to the Rink Rat Report podcast. Recording this Wednesday, May 24th, as always, joined by Jason. Yeah, and it's a crazy, crazy Wednesday, May 24th in Leafsland because, uh, yeah, last episode we said off season would be a fun season. And my gosh, it already started. We knew a decision would be coming in the days after we recorded, but we didn't expect it to come literally the day after or two days after the episode was released. So not even that, like just the way that everything went down. So our expectation was simply that the Leafs were going to pick, like Kyle Dubas was going to make his decision. Hey, do I want to come back and be the Leafs GM or do I want to walk away from it and spend time with family or whatever? Yeah. We were not expecting that Kyle Dubas would come back and say, yes, I want to be Leafs GM and I want more money. And then Brandon Shanahan would turn around and say, you're fired. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> and then on top of that, Brandon Shanahan having a press conference regarding that situation. And I've heard it from Ryan Rashog. I've heard it from Frank Saravalli. Maybe Elliot Friedman too. But several reporters have been saying, when have you ever seen a president give a press conference like that regarding firing a GM and like not only firing the GM, but giving details as to what happened. Like the NHL playoffs are on right now and the Leafs have totally stolen the show. Yeah. This is the it biggest, is the, it is. Yeah. yeah. It's the biggest story going on right now. Yeah. And if you're not paying attention, like what are you doing? And this is by far yeah. the biggest story in hockey. And we have two teams. It's, that Bobrovsky, are- it's Bobrovsky and it's the Leafs. And then maybe Jamie Ben trying to murder someone after. <laughs> yeah. And it's so funny because two teams are on, about to get swept in the conference finals. And I don't think we've ever seen that. I don't know. I don't know if we've ever seen both the East and West teams sweep their conference finals, yeah. right? Like together. And this could potentially happening over the coming days is the narrative that yeah. I'm sure normally people would run with, but all the media attention is focused on this situation because like you said, that pre- press conference was a bomb, a literal bomb that, that Brandon Shanahan dropped on us. And even if we go back to the, the Monday press conference, conference that conference that press conference was also a little weird now that with all the context that we have now from brendan shanahan and mind you yes. only one side of the story with the brendan shanahan stuff but i feel like with the kyle Dubas press conference and with what brendan shanahan said you got to piece together what kind of happened yes but so not only like when you watch the Dubas one everyone was like hmm, that, that was kind of odd like that's mm-hmm. uh it was a little bit of an odd press conference he seemed very nervous he seemed very unsure of himself and all of that now going back to that after knowing what we know now and versus what we didn't know then, that Monday press conference from Kyle Dubas was completely bananas too. Yeah. Like it caught everyone off guard that this guy was like, I don't know if I want to come back. Well, and they're yeah. in the middle of negotiations regarding not, his contract. Not only in the middle, like at the, oh, at sorry, the at the end. Yeah. Like, <laughs> sorry, no, no but you're, you're right though. Cause they were in the middle. Right. But like, it was pretty much getting towards the end. And I, like, man, again, we don't we don't know if Brandon Shanahan said like what everything he said was true, right? We we will never know what exactly happened until thirty years later when they write a book about it, if they ever do that. Yeah, when I, Kyle I Dubas gets like a sports net job, like Brian Burke, I love yeah. Brian Burke had, like, exactly. and just writes a book about all of it. We're not going to know until then, for sure. And, and so, um, but so we ha- kind of have to take Brandon Shanahan at his word because, to be fair to Brandon Shanahan, what. What benefit does he get from lying in this situation? He could have easily just said, listen, we're not re-signing Kyle Dubas. It's unfortunate. We'd really like to work with him. But it seemed like he wasn't fully committed, so that's fine. 
So we're not, we're, mm-hmm. we're done. And he could have, could have done that and just walked away. It seems to me he didn't just want to do that. He wanted to contextualize it because within the aftermath of things, we are seeing a lot of things leaked from a team that usually is incredibly tight lipped. And I can only yeah. imagine that leaking is coming from one side. So to me, that entire, sh- like, this is kind of scatterbrained. And I think how we're going to talk about this is not going to be the most uh, organized of like what happened in a chronological order, just kind of our general thoughts on it. But to me, what happened in that press conference was a, uh, a way for Brandon Shanahan to get ahead of what he probably thought was going to come out after in the aftermath of things. So he wanted to set the story straight and get the story straight. So to me, it doesn't really make sense as to why he would lie about anything in this press conference. Mm-hmm. So that all of that, I want to go back to what you said. So you, you originally said before I started going on this whole preamble about Brendan Shanahan, you said that Monday press conference was wild. It was incredibly wild. Not only was it wild because uh, Kyle Dubas, who is, who was the GM and was going to get uh, re-signed at the time, not only was it wild because he said in that press conference, he's not sure if he wants to be GM, which apparently to Brendan Shanahan was news to him. It's probably and the you board. Wanted, and yeah. the board too. Which is probably what you want want to tell someone if you're negotiating a contract, right? You probably want to yeah. mention to that them to that if you're if you want to be honest and open with them. Not only that, they also Brendan Shannon also said he asked Kyle Dubas not to speak to the media. It was Kyle Dubas' choice to speak to the media. To me, that Monday media was calculated, incredibly calculated Ooh. from Kyle Dubas because he's a smart guy. I'm not he's not he's not a dumb guy. Maybe you think he's a dumb guy, and that's fine, but I don't think so. I think he's relatively no. smart, and I think he's very calculated. Mm-hmm. And I think what he did there was a way to try and win the media and win the Toronto Maple Leaf fans over to try and put pressure on the uh, MLSE brass to, I don't know if it's to pressure to resign him, pressure to give him more money, pressure to give him a better, like better job title. I don't know what it is, but it seemed to me he tried to use that press conference as a way of for- getting, gaining leverage over MLSE. So, um, Possibly. I don't know. I mean, when, also, when you look at it this way, um, a lot of people are saying now, and I, I was under this belief as well, it seemed like Kyle Dubas, when he said, I'm going to take some time, I'm going to speak to my family. Um, and then he also clarified, he said, that either I am coming back as Toronto Maple Leafs GM, or I am like not returning to hockey this year. I'm not going to be the GM of any team this year. He clarified that. Now, Looking back on that from now, like to me that I interpreted, I was like, okay, he either thought his options were like he he had an extension in the books. And if he wanted to take that extension, then he would be with the Leafs, right? He didn't think that he was getting fired. However, when you go back and look at that press conference, we were all not under the same belief. We either thought the options were you are fired or you are extended, We didn't Mm -hmm. know, or you walk away. Mm -hmm. We didn't know that one of those options wasn't really going to be on the table, that he wasn't expecting to be fired. Because at that time, it was kind of a coin flip, was it not? Yeah, and and I think... So looking back on it now, and for him to be like, well, I'm not going to be GM of any other team, and to be going and, you know, interviewing with Pittsburgh, it's like, oh, well, hmm. How well, interesting. Yeah, because when I first heard that, like when I heard that, I'm like, wow, that is someone who wants to be our GM. <laughs> he is so 
passionate about this team. He doesn't care what happens in hockey. He only cares about the Toronto Maple Leafs, and he only cares of what's doing what's best for this team. And to me, when he said that on Monday, without the context we had with Brendan Shanahan's press conference on Friday, in my mind, what I was thinking was, wow, like this guy, again, wants to be a part of this team going forward, but he doesn't even know if he's going to be. And it, to mm-hmm. me, what I thought it was, was like almost pain, like pain in his voice that he couldn't yeah. be, a, he, there's a potential that he wouldn't There's be a, part a chance of this. that he would yeah. be fired. He exactly. wouldn't be part of the Leafs. He wouldn't be a part but of the process moving the forward. The reality was there was a contract negotiation going on. They were at the end of that contract negotiation and then this and that happened, right? That, no, that Monday press conference essentially happened. And yeah. I think. And that email. Yeah, the Monday press conference and the email. And like, I I honestly don't understand. I don't know who, who like some of these people on Twitter, I don't know who you do business with, how you conduct business. But I've, I've simply asked people who I know who are relatively smart businessmen who are much smarter than me, who don't even deal with hockey. You just deal with everyday business that are relatively wealthy as a result of it and very successful in what they do. And I think every person got back to me the same answer when I asked them this question. What would you do if someone in the 12, in the 11th hour of a deal essentially asked for a 50% increase in the deal to, for that person to get more money? How would you react to someone doing that? And I th- everyone had the same answers that they would tell them to F off. That's what they would do because that's not respectful at all. So it's, yeah. it, it's, it's an unfortunate circumstance that all of this is kind of being laid out in front of our eyes and for the media. And it's a, it's honestly a media circus right now. I think it was Freeman who said it's like game of Thrones over in the Leafs headquarters. Uh, People. And then on top of this, we're, we're missing. We haven't said it in a while. Jason Spezza resigned right after that. Yeah. I mean, he was was special assistant to the GM, which is not a huge role, but you know, he was a beloved leaf for a few seasons, right? Three seasons. I think it was. So there was that, news dump as well yeah i think i think i think that was more nothing than anything yeah um just and on top of this like it kind of sucks because like i would have been fine with kyle dubas coming back i thought he he made some good moves he made some bad moves here and there but what gm doesn't make bad moves right like it happens and i think i think he built a pretty good team this season he set up the team relatively decent for next season. There were some questionable moves. I'm not going to ignore that, but you know, I thought he did a pretty decent job and we're going to mention him later, but like Kyle Dubas versus Brad Tre living, like who would you rather have? I, I, I'd rather have Kyle Dubas, I would think, but Tre living's not to say Tre living's a bad GM. I think he's fine. He's it'd be like, I know it'd be kind of an okay switch, but not one that I'm hammering the table for, you know? Yeah. And um, I, I agree with what you said there about Kyle Dubas. Cause yeah, like, listen, he's no, by no means is he the best GM in the league. I don't even know no. if he's a, honestly, like, and I, I, I said this before I've said this multiple times before. I don't know if he's a top 10 GM in the league. Maybe he's like in the nine, 10 range. It's probably around 15 to 10 to 10. That makes most sense to me. He's made some really good moves, but he's <laughs> made some ter- like terrible, terrible moves that would essentially run, get, get you run out of markets. If you were to make those moves. Uh, specifically, like off the top of my head, the Morazic to Murray situation. What a debacle mm-hmm. that was! But again, that like was a you few said, bad moves in a in a row. Exactly. Uh, like uh, that transpired in under a year, in which you had to essentially get rid of a first, a second. Uh, but you got back. What was it twenty five to thirty eight to yeah. move Morazic, which is like as we we've laid it out, like thirteen spots in the draft 
from low first round to high second round is worth a lot. You cannot ignore, you cannot say, oh, but they had Fraser Minton number one on their board anyways. No, that's not how it works. Yeah. That's not how it works because if you wanted Fraser Minton and you wanted to move from 25 to 38, A, that's moronic that you would just be like, oh yeah, he'll, he'll be there. He'll be there. And then B, you could have got a lot for 13 slots in the draft. Like, and then going and getting Matt Murray for, and having pay him $4.6 million for a complete bandaid, essentially a guy that you knew had injury problems. Like, I don't care if I, I honestly, at this point, it was like, we were looking for, okay, stylistically, he improved. He had a good stretch during the season, whatever. But it's like, you also knew that he was very injury prone. So, you know, going from a goalie that played, what, 22 games in Peter Mrazek, I want to say, around there in the 20-ish range, to, to a more expensive goaltender that put up better numbers, albeit, but a more expensive goaltender that then played 27 games, like... Yeah, it was just, uh, it's not, it's it not was, great. And on top of that, you paid him more than the guy you got rid of. You so. paid him more. <laughs> um, yeah, but so it was almost, again, like a moot, moot point of you would have been better off yeah. just not not even making that move. Anyways. Um, yeah. And on top of that, like Nick Ritchie was not a good move. Yeah. These are all recent ones. Nick Ritchie was not a very good move at all. Um, I don't know, going into the season with just Michael Hutchinson as your backup a few seasons ago, that was a terrible move. But thankfully, you were able to kind of recover from that one. Um, you know, it, Nick Foligno trade was terrible, obviously yeah, too. And yeah. the biggest one of all, without a doubt, was the Tyson Berry trade. Oh, so yeah. he made some bad moves, but also like you know, I liked what he did this trade deadline. Um, I liked some of the signings, nine fifty for two years for Michael Bunting. Are you kidding me? There, there was a few other great pickups here and there. Like he was a solid GM, but he is not without his faults. Absolutely. And he is more volatile than anything. Like he would have like some really good moves and then he would have really bad moves. Oh, but like, like it. we said, like, honestly, like he's not the best gym in the league, but we were okay with him. We, we didn't care. Like we were just like, all right, whatever. We'll take him as it is because you know what? I like this group. I like this team. I don't want to see change. Right. And it's just frustrating because his attitude towards the team doesn't feel like that anymore with all, with everything we, with all the context we have right now, it, it really feels like he, I, I don't know. He just essentially. I think he just screwed up. I like. I think he did a little more than screwed up. I think. I. I think this is more calculated than anything. Yeah, he negotiated himself out the door. That's a big screw up. But I mean, to go from it, it honestly hurts to go from saying you don't want to be a GM of any other team. You're not going to operate in hockey unless you're with the Leafs. And then just literally two, like less than a week later, you're talking to Sidney Crosby at the rink on a Tuesday night, interviewing for a Pittsburgh job. Like, I'm sorry, like. Did you just frankly lie to the our entire fan base? And if if so, like I don't know how Leafs fans on Twitter are even defending this guy still. Like if you're a Kyle Dubas fan, you can be a Kyle Dubas fan. That's fine. Go ahead. Please follow him wherever he goes. But if you're a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, I don't know how you can not be incredibly pissed off at what transpired and what essentially Kyle Dubas did in this entire situation. Because I see a lot of people saying, why, why did Brendan Shanahan have to go and make it public? That's such a backstab move by Shanahan. I'm sorry. The person who made it public was Kyle Dubas on Monday. Brandon Shanahan asked him not to speak to the media, and he chose to speak to the media. That was his choice. He could have not yeah. brought any of this stuff up at all. He could have not brought up his his next contract. He could have said, oh, well, me and Brandon are talking about this. That's all he could have said. That's all he had to say. Yeah. No, instead, he had to honestly cry crocodile tears to the media to try and win over, I think, 
to try and win over fans, to try and win over the media and gain support and, and, and gain leverage over MLSC. That's what I truly believe. And I think the thing, yeah. one more thing, the thing that bothers me the most is I really hope he, first of all, I really hope he's okay and I hope he's doing okay. But to me, if he, if he is the GM of another team, he said his, his, this being a GM of this team affected his personal life and it affected it so much that he had to have to take a break from hockey. He said that less than a week ago. Now he's interviewing for jobs. I'm sorry. Are you trying to use mental health as an excuse now as a trade chip to try and gain a, a promotion? Is that what you're trying to do? I sincerely hope not because that is frankly disgusting. And right now it seems like that's what he did. Maybe. I don't know. There's a lot of, there's nothing concrete. Like there's a lot of different of ways to interpret it. Like, you know, I don't I mean, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to interpret it. That's pretty much what I'm going to leave it at. Like, yes. Like, again, like if you look at it from the background of, oh, like he didn't, he thought it was either getting fired or, or actually, sorry. um, He didn't expect to get fired on Monday during that press conference. And then he said, I'm either Leafs GM or I'm not like, he wasn't going to walk away from negotiations and walk to another job because that's not what happened in between walking from the Leafs away, away from the Leafs. He was, he was fired, but no, um, he, but hold on. Wait, he, we keep saying he was fired. He was never fired. He had a contract. It ended. He mm-hmm. negotiated, tried to negotiate another end. contract. It ended. He, his contract mm-hmm. is done. And it ends June on June 1st. Yeah. So, so he, he got, okay. So he got fired from the last year of his deal. So to open the last up, like month. Okay. Still was fired. Okay. Right. I mean, Okay. Yeah, I guess. So we'll see. Who knows? Maybe he doesn't end up with Pittsburgh. I hope he doesn't. Uh, Cause again, that would, uh, to me, that speaks volumes about what he actually meant with that Monday press conference. And I think that's again, I don't know, just not, not the right way to go about things. Not, not at all. Not at all. I guess. Who knows? But yeah, we'll see what, uh, Kyle Dubas does, and we'll see what Brendan Shanahan does in terms of picking the next coach and, or sorry, the next GM. And if Sheldon keeps around to be the coach as well, because that is, you know, I, I I do know that Elliot Friedman was reporting that the board of directors was more selective on management contracts, um, not player contracts, not player decisions, but how much management people in management were being paid because they were paying Mike Babcock for four years for way too much money Mm -hmm. just to not be the coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yep. So that's where they were being a little more selective. Like now that Mike Babcock's contract is up, like, can you convince the board of directors to, you know, fire Sheldon Keefe? You have to pay him again for another couple of years. I'd want to say it is. And bring Sheldon, in a new coach. Uh, he has a one one million dollar deal. Uh, like he had, he got ex- two year extension at one point mm-hmm. nine five. So until, and I believe oh, this two? this year, the okay. this past year twenty two twenty three was a part of the extension. So next year is actually Sheldon Keith's final year. So if they do, I don't think they'd be too pressed to fire Sheldon Keith and pay him for that one year. And I know that I, obviously, like I think the Babcock thing's a little different because he got paid twenty million dollars over four years. Yes. Five million dollars a year is a lot, a lot. And Keefe is only making two. I think two compared to five is a lot. And then if you, yeah. So I, 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 I would yeah, think his contract I would is think through twenty three, twenty four. 
I would I would think he's gone because yeah, this is the last year of his deal. I I don't know how you can with this team who we have and the G. I, I doubt the GM comes in and says Sheldon mm-hmm. Keith is our guy. First yeah. of all, Friedman did also say bring him up because he provided a plethora of knowledge. And what he what Elliot Freeman was saying was not speculation. This was actual stuff that he was hearing. There's a big difference between the two of those. But he did say that the exit interviews in Toronto were blunt, so to speak, on what the team needed to do to win. So you can kind of put two and two together, who maybe the players were talking about. Yeah, I hope they weren't talking about each other, and it seems like they probably weren't. Maybe they were not happy with the amount yeah, maybe, of... Maybe a certain player was not happy with being taken off the power play with like three games left in the regular season after you put up a career high and then, you know, putting up pretty good power play numbers in the playoffs and still not being on number one power play. Yeah. So, you know, maybe maybe that's part of it. But- Probably, but yeah. So my, my, my guess is that he's fired before the trade or sorry trade deadline free agency starts that's my guess yeah so gm comes in completely yeah Yeah, it's possible i mean spencer carberry is an option he's being interviewed by a lot of teams he's a kind of a highly touted coaching option for a few teams i i don't think we'll no i don't think so i think um so who is the coach game one of the right 2023 324 regular season. Who is the coach game one? And who is the coach game 82? I don't know. I think the the coach is going to, I, it's too hard to figure out the coach. The coach for game one is going to be the same as game 82. I'm sorry. If you bring in, if you bring in a new GM and you fire that coach halfway through the season, unless the new GM keeps shelling Keith and fires Keith, but that's mm-hmm. different. That's why I said this question. Okay. So yeah. Uh, in that case, then maybe Keith and someone else, but I doubt a new GM comes in and says, Keith is the right guy to run this ship. I just don't. I don't think because yeah. I, I think a lot of people in hockey are opinionated, and I think a lot of people in hockey have their own guys, mm-hmm. as you could see with Kyle Dubas, who his who guy was Trey Living's guy the last two years. Sutter. But uh, <laughs> I really <laughs> listen. Three years. We, sorry. If we get Tree, I really hope we don't get Sutter. That's that will make the Tree uh, us getting Tree bad. But if if not, then we're a okay. Um, but yeah, I, I really think that GMs have guys who they, yeah, they, who they would have. And I don't think Sheldon keeps part of that. I don't honestly, in time, we'll probably get more clarity as we, uh, see who the GM is. And that was my fancy way of dancing around that question. Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think it's entirely possible. Carberry is head coach, but we'll see again. We'll see. We have to see who the GM is too. Right. Yeah. That is also a big part of it. Um, so let's get into some misconceptions, misconceptions, uh, surrounding this whole blow up and this whole Kyle Dubas firing and everything. There's one big one that I am seeing. It makes no sense why I'm seeing this, and it's kind of stupid. But here it is: Kyle Dubas has an agent. Not many GMs do. Most GMs, you know, negotiate their own contract because that's their job. You'd think they'd be good at it, but Dubas does not. He has his own agent. Um, Anyways, his agent is a part of Wasserman. Austin Matthews has an agent like all players or 99% of players do. And his agent is also part of Wasserman. That's about as far as that connection goes. 
Wasserman is a large agency. This is not Bill and Bob's like pizza shop slash hockey player agency where Bill and Bob are actually the same person. Like this is Wasserman. This is a massive agency. Like they have hundreds, if not billions of dollars in contracts and they have a lot of different agents. Just because they are under the same agency in the hockey section does not mean squat. They all, hey, did you hear this one? Did you hear this one? Kyle Dubas and Austin Matthews both bank at RBC. <laughs> oh, oh goodness. Oh, how will that affect Austin Matthews' negotiations? It's stupidity. It has no relevance. I've seen, oh, is there, uh, what was the word? Um, conflict of interest. No. You know why? Because Wasserman is not the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's, this is the dumbest thing to ever bring up. I don't know why I'm seeing it. It must be off season because they have to make up stuff to seem relevant. But that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It has absolutely no bearing. They don't even have the same agent, which maybe then you could stretch something, but they don't have the same agent. They're just part of the same large company. Yeah. Like, and and on top of that, someone who would have like a better insight into like how like how agents work, fiduciary duties to your client, things like that, things that are like much more above my head, even said like if it like the only way that this would be a conflict of interest is if a Wasserman agent was negotiating the contract with Austin Matthews, right? But a Wasserman agent isn't doing that. Kyle Dubis was gonna be the one who was doing that. If Kyle Maybe Dubis is at home, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, um, I mean, uh, he now, was the we know, to his knows, agent. Right? <laughs> That'd be hilarious. Yeah, but it, exactly. So it's like that's not even a conflict of interest there. So it's like who, where? I don't even know where this is coming from. This is coming from. I, I think it was an Adam Wild tweet. That it guy was. literally knows nothing. It was so from please. SDP. Uh, so don't listen. Listen. If let's you not want... trash them. Like I, I, it's just the opinion and what was floated out there. Yeah, it was because I've just... seen it from other people too. It's frankly He's incorrect. not the only one saying it. Whoever it's incorrect. Whoever his source is for saying that, because someone said a source close to the situation or close to me said a source said. I mean, like your source conflict is just wrong. Your source is just wrong. That's not that's not how conflict of interest work. Because again, it's the team negotiating with the agent, not the agents. If the agents at Wasserman working who work together were negotiating with each other, then yeah, that'd be a different story. But it's not. So it's not exactly <laughs> like. I'm sorry that that was that frustrated me and it frustrated me that I saw it multiple times because it's just it's a, it's such a nothing point. Yeah. So anywho, moving on. Other misconception that was that occurred. Kyle Dubas was blocked by the board of directors from doing certain things that is not true at all. Elliot Friedman denied that the board of directors does not care about hockey decisions. They don't want to get involved in hockey decisions because it's a bunch of people from Rogers and Bell. They know nothing about hockey. What they were looking at, like more so they're on executive salaries. That's approval of that sort of thing. That's where they would get involved. I believe last year they blocked Brendan Shanahan from trying to extend Kyle Dubas before the end of his contract. Right? Am I making that up? No, I, I believe from what... 
Um, and also they're not happy. The board of directors is not happy about them paying Mike Babcock so much money to stay at home. Yeah. So that's what Elliot Freeman said. But I think in the, in the Shanahan press conference, I believe he said the, the upper brass didn't want to extend the contract, but Brendan Shanahan was ready to extend him that contract on yes, that was last season. And season. then by yeah, March, he got yep. permission to start exactly negotiations on an extension. Yeah. So the, you know, and, Mr. Bell and Mr. Rogers were not saying, nope, we, you cannot be trading a third for John Klingberg. You have to be trading for Luke Shen. Yeah. No, yeah. that's not so, true at all. And also on top of that, there was a rumor out there that there was a Chicago trade um, involving Matthew Nyes, Peter Mrazik for Marc-Andre Fleury, Brandon Hagel, and I think the Leafs were also giving up a first-round pick. Some someone tried to literally just make up and say that Brendan Shanahan blocked Kyle Dubas from making that trade. In reality, that didn't happen. Someone just took a rumor from, or not even a rumor, it was actually reported last year that the Blackhawks and the Leafs were kind of talking about a trade. They were talking. They didn't never tabled it. They were talking about a trade along those lines, and Kyle Dubas was upset that Kyle Davidson leaked that they were talking about that. That trade was never offered. It was never tabled. And Brendan Shanahan never blocked that trade. So just because someone tweets something and says at the end, oh, via The Athletic, via Darren Dreger, like, you know, via Pierre Lebrun, um, Timothy Lilgram was scratched the first two games of the playoffs because he shit his pants so hard. Like, no, it, that just because I say via someone at the end of the tweet does not make it true. And, and what I just said about Timothy Logan was a hundred percent made up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just to and, be clear. Uh, again, if if people want more evidence as to like why these rumors aren't true, go dust off that Amazon Prime account. Go back and watch the All or Nothing series. I know it's painful. Watch the Felino trade. Yeah, just watch. Watch literally just the. It's the third episode, I believe, about halfway through or towards the end. Kyle Dubas is on the phone making that Felino trade, and we can hear him in the background saying. Fourth, first and fourth, blah, blah, blah. yeah, 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 done deal, done deal, perfect. We're locked in, and then we see on top Brandon of that, Shanahan, yeah. like trying to piece it together with print, Pridham. Like, it's impossible to edit that together where it doesn't look like where it doesn't like where that like where you make someone say something that they did. You know, on top of that, the um, the Leafs blueprint episode where they traded for Jared McCann. Again, it's another insight into what happened. It was all Kyle Dubas. Yeah, it it, like, see, it seems like the buck stopped with him and whatever he wanted to do as GM, he was allowed to do, which is kind of what was maybe reported. some other moves like, were, were declined that we don't know about. But for the most part, it did not look like Kyle Dubas was on a leash. Yeah. And in, in, in this realm at uh, all. And until listen, maybe, but until we have pr- like some evidence to suggest that, hey, maybe he was blocked. I mm-hmm. think it's like we said, it's yes. outlandish to even say that these that he was blocked. Friedman did report that Kyle Dubas wanted to streamline processes where he was just going to talk to the board instead of going from him talking to Shanahan, Shanahan talking to the board, the board going to Shanahan, and then Shanahan going back to Dubas. That was not meant about hockey trades. That was about other business things. Decisions, essentially. I think he wanted to be more involved in the business side of things, which is possibly would make sense. But again, in doing so, he tried to cut out cut out the guy who was who was essentially handing him his contract. So again, not a good uh, idea. Yeah, but 
Yes. So I think that covers what happened in these past few days in Leafland, what to believe, what not to believe. So we'll see. GM hunt is on after the GM hunt comes commences, like is complete and we have a new GM then comes, which might actually after happen after the draft. It's not, I don't think that's totally it's happened before. Right. Yeah. But I think just with what day is the draft actually now that you know, honestly, maybe you're right. I believe you June 28th. Oh, I believe Trey living that's is a... blocked from drafting with another team. Really? Okay. Interesting. Interesting. I okay. believe. Oh, because you know what? That would be a, this would be like, I think conflict an actual of conflict interest. Yeah, yeah. There you go. We're learning. We're learning because he would have insider knowledge or insight into what the Calgary flames Calgary wanted flames. to. Interesting. Okay. Wow. Yes. Um, huh. So it seems like there's going to so be, that... there might be a couple there, teams. Doug Armstrong's name is being floated out there, even though I don't think he's coming at all. Again, that's another example. Would not be able to participate in the draft. Anyone who was on a, a GM this past year would not be able Pretty to. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Exactly. Interesting. Interesting. So we'll see. Yeah. But anywho, so this off season, the new GM, their to do list, right? What does that involve? Number one, coaching decision. Do they keep? Does Sheldon Keith stay or go? I think that's pretty plain and simple. Yeah. Number two, well, then hire a coach. If well, I guess it would be one B. Number two, the goaltending situation. You have Joseph Wool, who is no longer waiver exempt. If you send him to the Marlies, another team can claim him. You have Matt Murray with one year left at $4.6 million. And you have Ilya Samsonov, who is a restricted free agent. Who are you going to pick? That's a that's something that you need to watch out for. You made an interesting point, Jason, off, off air. You said, what if it's true living? And he decides to bring in Vladar because maybe Calgary is interested in making Dustin Wolf the backup goalie or potentially even starting because Markstrom was not good this year. Like that'd be interesting. And then you'd have to let one or two of the goalies go. I don't know. I'm not the biggest Vladar fan, but he could be okay. Big such, you know? So we'll see. There is a goaltending situation that needs to be addressed. Correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just because, like you said, you you, you nailed it perfectly. The, the trickiest piece to the puzzle, I think. I think we'll probably the new GM will come in and rid himself of Matt Murray. Hopefully, if Kyle Dubas decides to go to the Penguins, the clause of the Leafs letting him go interview with Penguins is that he has to bring Matt Murray with him. Um, <laughs> but uh, I really they think, don't have they don't have a starting goalie for next yeah, year. You know so. what? Hey, like I I know what I know a former goalie who's won two cups before. If you ever need one, oh. so um, but yeah, like. Uh, I think, yeah, the goalie situation is pretty pressing because I, I think the the GM is going to get rid of Matt Murray and it's pretty much up to Samsonov uh, and I guess arbitration, whether he stays here. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I don't, I doubt a GM, a new GM in particular, is willing to hand out a pretty penny to a goalie whose track record really only extends. I don't think he'll, in arbitration, I don't think it'll season. be a pretty penny. I think it'll be like I, I, mid-tier. Yeah. Okay. That's the thing. I I don't. It's easier to predict predict arbitration deals for players than it is for goalies because I think there's so so rare, so many rare cases where you have like how as an arbitrator, how can you compare what this past season of Ilya Samsonov did, did to like 
any other goalie. And if there is, like, there's probably only two to five goalies in the past 20 years who've had similar, um, let's say, yeah, trajectories true. at age, right? Because I think they also factor in years to UFA as well. I'm not sure. I might be, this might be completely false, but I think, I don't know. Because I, I think that's how the arbitration works. Anyways, like, uh, it's a tricky situation, and I could even just see a GM not even wanting to deal with that arbitration and mm-hmm. that almost democulous sword or hanging over your head, unsure of if your cap going to be like unsure what your cap's going to look like until you figure out arbitration, which happens late in August. So I could see them moving on from Samsov. Maybe like it's it's going to be either sign the guy for at the price you want or move him on. So it's it's honestly I think up to Samsonov in the end. Yep, exactly. So. Yeah. That's a situation to watch out for. And then on top of that, there are a decent amount of uh, free agents on the Leafs this year. Most notably, Kyle uh, Michael Bunting is a free agent this year. Uh, on top of that, or, or sorry, an unrestricted free agent, to be clear. Yep. A couple guys that they traded for are going to be unrestricted free agents in Ryan O'Reilly, Nola Chari, Eric Gustafson. And then on top of that, some guys that have been here for a few years will also be unrestricted free agents, and that is Justin Hall, uh, uh, Alex Kerfoot, David Camp, and am I missing any? Eric Gustafson. Uh, I said Eric Gustafson. Oh, the trade part. Yeah. Uh, uh, David Camp, Kerfoot, Simmons. Luke Shen. Count. Luke Shen. Yeah. Yeah. So those guys are heading to unrestricted free agency. We'll see who they decide to bring back. Uh, more than a few of those guys, I'd be happy to bring back. They were solid players. Um, and we'll see what's also out there, right? Versus what they are. But this offseason, we definitely will talk about them, what they deserve, how they would fit with the Leafs, if they should fit with the Leafs, and so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah. A uh, lot, lot of holes to fill. Right now, we only have, I think, seven forward sign, eight if you count um, Nick Robertson. And it's... What about nice. Is he in there? He's in there. Yeah, yeah, he's in there. Uh, eight forward signed if you count Nick Robertson. It's kind of tough to pencil him in just with the injury history he's had. Hope he plays. He should play. Mm-hmm. If I'm the GM, if I'm the coach, I want him in the game one lineup. But again, you probably need to sign a, a couple extra forwards who could fill his spot in case he does get hurt because he does have, unfortunately, terrible injury history. On top of that, like you said, we have a couple defensemen to UFA. Like I think with the Kyle Dubas yeah. firing, it's safe to say that we are officially done with Justin Hall. Um, yeah. so that's pretty, it'll be interesting. I mean, like celebrate. when you, um, yeah, when you look at the Leafs defense right now, this is how it's built Morgan on the left side. You have Morgan Riley, you have Jake McCabe and you have Mark Giordano. All three of those guys are under contract till the end of the year. On the right side, you have TJ Brody in the last year of his deal. And this is where it starts to get interesting. You have Timothy Logren and you have Connor Timmons. What do you think of like Tim, Connor Tim is hundred percent. You can pencil in. Okay. Third pairing defenseman. Sure. I have no problems with that. How comfortable are you with Timothy Logan top four? I think it would be exciting. I would I, love to see it. And I would love to, you're going to have to give it some runway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, but that's it's, how it's shaking out right now. You have six defensemen signed through next year. It's so much for again. It's so much for a GM to come in and evaluate. But I think if I was if I was the GM coming in, I'd let Timothy Lilgren run with it until he proves to me that he cannot do it. Right. I think one of the biggest differences we'll see in again this is the, it's all all contingent on who the new GM is. But I think the biggest difference we'll see is that we'll actually I hope our new GM who comes in 
make space for these young players, you know, doesn't mm-hmm. try to block them. Cause I mean, people like to praise that Dubis was like able to develop some guys out of thin air. And yeah, you know, what? he, he might've done that for a couple guys, but I think the biggest fault in his process of developing players was he never gave them. And I don't know if this might be Sheldon Keefe. This might be Kyle Dubis. This might even be Brendan Shanahan. I don't know how the hockey operations work. Right. But we never really gave those players a direct path into the mm-hmm. starting lineup. So that's one thing I'm hoping for. I'm hoping that we don't create a block for these players to, to be in, in the starting lineup essentially. So. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Um, yeah, I'd be excited definitely to see Connor Timmons as an everyday defenseman. We saw some promise there. Timothy Logren, again, we saw him go from borderline NHLer to everyday NHLer to scratched in the playoffs, unfortunately. Then this year he was an everyday NHLer, and then he was able to develop a little bit more into a top four defenseman. I mean, this year at points, it was like like last last season, I don't care what the expected goals say. He was not good with Morgan Riley. I didn't like how they meshed. They were both very, very, uh, what's the word, uh, mistake prone, like giving up the big error and yeah, making big, event negatives, big yeah. yeah, big event negatives. This season, we saw a better pairing between the two, which was very encouraging from the Timothy Logren side. Mm-hmm. So, but then obviously Timothy Logren eventually fell out of the top six, actually top seven. He fell out of the top seven at one point or at points it seemed like with the Leafs. So how do the Leafs view him? Because if you were to ask me middle of last season, they view him as a top four, I would say. No doubt. Yeah. At the end of the last season it was oh they don't do they view him as the eighth defenseman? Like what's yeah. going on here? So that'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. And again, that's another decision to be made. So yeah. That's scored yeah, against that's... USA. Scored a <laughs> went in deep. Yeah, and that's, he's playing in the world championships. Yeah, um, and I think that's, I guess that's really it for my checklist for the GM. Other than maybe more mo- nuanced things that we'll probably get into later in the offseason. Uh, we're like, missing one. Matthews extension. Matthews oh, yeah. eligible oh, for a dis- oh. extension July first, and William Nylander's eligible for an extension July first. Yeah, that's those are probably important things that they should probably figure out. I don't know who for how yeah. I like. <laughs> I'm really looking at this team and I'm like, I like those two guys. Yeah. yeah I don't know how I, that one slipped, but. Um, so what yeah. happens there? That's I mean, a decision okay. to be made. That, that decision is just ultimately going to come down to the players. So out of our I control. I wonder I if the new GM comes in and says, Hey, look, by the off season, either you tell us you're extending or you're not. Mm-hmm. And then they make a move. Yeah. That could entirely happen that they do not under any circumstances want to get burned or do they want to see how the season plays out and try to extend them via what Pasternak did. Right. Yeah. It's not entirely possible. It's not entirely out of the question that yeah, but- they let them go into the season and similar to Morgan Riley, similar again, I mentioned David Pasternak and forget who else, but. Oh, right. Here, yeah. Here's the only thing I, the only thing I would say that why I don't, I, I think that might not happen. I can see that happening for maybe Nylander. I doubt that happens for Austin Matthews though, only yes. because our media is, could be like a, be pack a distraction. Of wolves at time. And I, I think Austin Matthews said he wanted to get a deal done if you yeah. were to sign before the off season or before the start of the season. Cause if I'm Austin Matthews. That is the last thing I want to talk about midseason. Yeah. Is my contract extension next season. That is I don't even want to have to figure figure that out and deal with that. So Yeah. Uh, so we'll get into 
the core four, like that's just another checklist thing. We'll get into their sort of contracts in a second. So, but in terms of GM options, I wanted to talk about this guy. Um, Brad Living has been heavily linked to the Toronto Maple Leafs. He's coming in, he's interviewing. He was the former, he was an AGM with Phoenix and then, he was the GM for the Calgary Flames from 2013-14 all the way until last season. It seemed like Calgary wanted to bring him back, but he walked away. That's that is what happened. Note. He was not Important fired. Note. Yeah. Right? They they did miss the playoffs, but he was not fired. So I wanted to get into Brad Tree Living a little bit. Because I see like I mentioned before, Dubas to Tree Living is fine. I think it's a, maybe it's like not a huge upgrade at all. Depends how you, the way you view him, but I don't think it's a, it's an up, it's much of an upgrade if, if anything of an upgrade. Right. But taking a look at Brad, Brad true living, you do have to also take into account, like this is the GM is not a hundred percent the man in charge. Like they don't just like, they don't yeah. do Jerry Jones and lock themselves on a boat and turn off their cell phone and make draft picks with, with nobody around. Like that's not what happens. They have their, they hire their scouting department. They hire their analytics department. They hire their am- chief of amateur scouting and they make decisions based off what they say as well. Right. But let's base him off of what happened. Signings, trades, uh, draft picks, as well as contracts and results, team results. Right. Yep. What's the biggest trilling trade that sticks out in your head? Well, there's well, by stick out if you mean is bad or good. I don't. I don't know uh, exactly. What's the first one that comes to your head? So the first one that comes to my head is the obviously the one this past off season, yep. and it was the Tuchuk trade. Um, and it's really tough to evaluate that now because of what happened. But I think a lot of people have gone revisionist on it. Again, I was one of the people who said. I like the Tuchuk side of the deal better I, for Florida than I do did, for, yes. for Cor- Calgary. And I listened back to that podcast we did talking about that. And uh, you guys said that what Calgary did was also good. And we what our consensus yeah. was is that it was an A deal for both sides. Because the context of the situation, Kachuk wanted out. He only wanted to go to two destinations or three. I think it was like the Rangers, the Blues, yeah, and Rangers, Florida. Blues, and, and Florida. So three, three. He had three destinations that he wanted to go to, and ultimately, not only you get a former 114 point player, you also get a top 30 NHL defenseman. You also get a first round pick, and you and also a prospect got a prospect. So yes, I don't know how much more you could get in a trade, um, especially one that both you're players the were on expiring deals. But they yeah, were and, both extended. Yeah. So and now think, is where like they start to kind of lose value because they're yes. getting into their thirties. And here's the thing: I it's impossible to tell what happened behind the scenes there. But you got to think that when you're hamstrung like that, like when you don't, when the yeah. player's not like just trade me, and it's you have to trade me to like three different destinations, and you're able to get two very solid roster pieces, one of which had an, an awful season, but I believe will fully rebound. And not only the two f- f- uh, roster pieces, you get a first and a prospect, a CB level prospect around there, or C, C no, sorry, not B, C level prospect. I, I think you did pretty good work there, yeah. right? 
you yeah. learned right from, hey, I can't let this go any further. Like Johnny Goudreau kind of screwed them. Like when you look at the Johnny Goudreau situation, how else were you supposed to do it? You offered him way more money over an eight-year term. It's way more money than the team that he signed with. And he just chose, instead of telling you like before, hey, I don't think, not even I don't think, hey, not even I'm not, I don't think I'm going to resign. He just left it until the last minute and went, mm, actually, I hate Calgary. And he left. Sounds, right? sounds like a kind of familiar situation that happened in Leafsland, but yeah. Um, Which one? Not with the player, but with the GM. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, again, the, I think the crux of that deal and the problem with that deal was the extensions. Because I think if you like we broke it, like I didn't, I don't think the Uyghur, well, I don't think the Uyghur extension's bad, first of all. Uyghur extension, I think, is actually pretty good. I think the problem was the Huberdeau extension, maybe a little too long, maybe a little too much. But again, yeah. it's it's tough to justify not get not him not getting ten million dollars after the season that he just put up last year. And right. I, I, I'd imagine we'd be talking about uh, this trade a lot differently had Huberdeau put up maybe five or ten more points. Had Huberdeau mm-hmm. and the Flames made the playoffs, he would have had to hit like eighty. So like he only had fifty five. Yeah, he had 55 points, but oh. it was a down year. Didn't yeah. like the situation. Also, his minutes yeah. went well, down, his, um, yeah. which would be a big contributor the coach to that. just did not coach like, didn't him. like him. Yeah, like so. For some reason, Hampus Lindholm couldn't finish with him. But the, the crux Elias of the trade him. was, like, Kachuk was going to be good all the way through his eight-year extension. He was going to be good all through all those eight years pretty much because it wasn't he wasn't going to be on the older end, right? You predict yes. that he would be very good by the end of the contract. The Flames would have won it in the immediate, though, because they're getting two pretty darn good players that are in their prime right right now. But obviously in five years, when you look at everyone that's traded in this trade, you'd expect Florida to look better at like right then, right at the five-year mark kind of thing, how they were playing at five years, not right now. But unfortunately, and then on top of that, when you look at how Florida did, like, what were we saying? Like twenty five games in, it was huh? The Florida's could use, Florida Panthers could use Mackenzie Weger because their defense sucks. Stinks. Yeah, they barely slipped into the playoffs, and they had to go on a heater in order to get into the playoffs. Right. So, like, let's not ignore that. Let's not just look at it and go. Matthew Kachuk had a way better season than Weger and Huberto. Okay, but what did that leave the rest of the team with? Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah. That that yeah. So like I, I don't think that it was a bad trade by Trilivic. I thought he did a pretty good job there. Um, but yeah, that was a one of his massive trades, and it takes some cojones to pull that one off. Um, there were some other massive trades. I'm going to pull up the full one right now. But going all the way back to the 2015 draft, which was a pretty darn good draft, but I think they got a pretty good darn good defenseman from it, and that being. Dougie Hamilton, when you look at it, he was traded from the Bruins to the Flames for uh first round pick in Zaxon that ended up being Zaxonition and a second round pick that ended up being Jeremy Lazon and another second round pick, which ended up being uh Jacob Forsbacka Carlson, who all three of the I mean Lazon's an NHL player right now. He's whatever, but Sinition and Forsbacka Carlson are not NHL players. So I mean, to yeah. trade three draft picks for Dougie Hamilton, that was a 
Yeah, that's pretty good. First and also, two seconds for Dougie Hamilton. Yeah, and it was the prime Dougie Hamilton. And I think the biggest thing was uh, yep. that, again, he he identified that, hey, maybe this guy doesn't fit with this team. And he turned around, and instead of trading the guy for pennies on the dollar, you trade you turned Dougie Hamilton and, unfortunately, Adam Fox. But that whole Adam Fox situation, he wasn't any, he wasn't going to sign there anyways. He didn't end up signing in Carolina. Yeah, you knew. Up, you knew right from the get-go. He ended up he only being worth two seconds at the time when he got traded to New York. Because, again, he has all the leverage as a college free agent. He can go wherever he wants. So mm-hmm. teams have to maximize the value of them. But anyways, they were able to get two cornerstones for their franchise right now in Nona Hannafin and Elias Lindholm. And I think that trade is massive for them. And they got a mm-hmm. first-line center for – for a, they got four years of – so for first and two seconds, they got a four years of – Dougie Hamilton in his prime. They then turned yeah. though that player into a young first first line center and a top and, and a number one pairing D for them over the next I don't know how many yeah. years. So and I mean, like not to, like tree there. based on what you're saying, also like he wasn't as good offensively in Calgary as he was in Carolina, but still put up some respectable numbers. Still put up career highs. I mean, forty three points, fifty points, forty four points. Yeah, like, and it wasn't score, bad at all. You have to also remember, like. Scoring in the NHL has changed since 2015 to uh, it's almost been eight years now, but scoring has generally gone up significantly, especially over the past couple of years. So, um, yeah. And, and I, and I wonder how much that has to do with simply him, maybe just playing power play or I, I don't know, but I think uh, what they, what they did with Dougie Hamilton, I think that was a, a great uh, piece of work from them. Really, exactly. really was, really was. Turning it into, yeah, Hampus Lindholm and Noah Hannafin, who are still on the team. And, I mean, Hampus Lindholm's on a great contract, too. Like, the full trade for Elias Lindholm. Yes, sorry. It's all right. Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannafin, who are both solid, solid players. Well, Elias Lindholm is a solid, solid player. Noah Hannafin is a decent player as well. I mean, puts up an okay amount of points. Actually, last season had a career high in points. But, anyways... Again, he's one of those like he's decent. But he's, They're he's not like, relying on him to be a f- number one defenseman. He's a minute muncher, though. He's one of those guys okay. who can play against he's other decent. teams' top competition. He's not going to put. He actually, well, I'm just shocked. He puts up 48, 38 points. Puts up a lot more points than I expect. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, it's as close to a number one as you can be. Like, I mean, uh, like, but yeah. So, so I thought that was a great trade for Calgary as well. And again, that was two huge trades that involved one player within four years or whatever. So pretty solid, pretty good bit of work. We'll call it there. Here's the thing in, in his biggest trades, has he ever really lost, lost his biggest trade? Well, like just looking at the results of the Huberto Kachuk, but But in terms of at the times of the trade, at the time of the trade, at the time of each of the trades, I don't. I haven't looked at any and been like, "Wow, he got fleeced." Like, even when you're looking at this one, what about uh, the guy on the Leafs, Callie Yarncroft, last year or two seasons ago? I guess it would have been. They traded a second, a third, and a seventh um, to bring him in from Seattle, and he only ended up with one goal. But like, you know, like I don't think it was a horrendous trade at the time. He just didn't fit in as well as you would have hoped. It's like, is it a good, like, did it end up a good trade? Absolutely not. It, it it did fail. You lost draft capital for a guy that put up one goal. But, like, I don't think it was a terrible trade at the time. 
the one of the, the a bad signing that he had that you can also just look at and like I actually found a group chat message of me saying that's a terrible signing was James Neal. But yeah. you were able to hedge that loss and like in uh trading him for Milan Lucic like what a year later, I wanna say. I think two years later. Something like that. Yeah. Two or three years later and um obviously not efficient. No way is that efficient, but at the very least, you got you someone who would someone who would have been a dead cap one, on one season. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, someone who would have been dead cap on your team uh, to exactly. at least the player who's going to play. So that's positive, but right. yeah, that obviously wasn't a good one. Um, and again, like here's the thing, though. Like it's important to know that like the NHL is also a lot. The contract was signed in 2015, right? It was. I I wasn't happy with the James Neal one though because he yeah. was a goal scorer who was in his older years and yeah. was falling in terms of production. So it was like, yeah. how does how does that make sense? Yeah, and then and it did. Well, hopefully the process of that decision making has changed over the past couple of years with the amount of analytics yeah. that has come in. Uh, and it seems like Calgary is the type of team that values that sort of thing considering they just traded for Mackenzie Weaker, who a lot of people don't really consider to be that good, but is, again, as we know, one of the better defensemen in the NHL. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, these are some of the moves that he made. I mean, just looking at the team results, I think it's kind of interesting to see those because it's been every other year pretty consistently that they've been good. And a few of the years, I mean – we in Leafland know all about this, but a few of the seasons, it looked very, very promising for the Flames. Like, just looking at 18-19, they finished 50-25-0-7, but then got swept in the first round. Or no, not swept. They they won one game. Congratulations. But, you know, like, that's... uh, They had some good success, um, but, again, it's been a bit of a roller coaster for them in terms of how consistently they performed. Maybe it's due to injuries or this and that, but who knows? Um, one thing I do want to also address, their goaltending has been a complete mess um, every single year under Bradshaw Living. Just some years, <laughs> like they bring in a guy, like Brian Elliott came in. He was outperformed by Chad Johnson for half a season, and then he outperformed Chad Johnson for half a season. And then in the playoffs, neither were really that good. And then after that, they brought in Mike Smith, and Mike Smith was really good for one season. And then after that, he couldn't stop a beach ball, and David Riddick kind of stepped stepped up. And then the next season after that, like Markstrom and Riddick couldn't stop a beach ball. And then after that, Jacob Markstrom was a Vesna nominee. Like just the roller coaster of goaltending has been wild there as well. So yeah, something and, else too. And they also on. traded for Jonas Hiller. Remember that one? Uh, they traded or signed or him, signed, they signed had him. him. Sorry, signed him. Signed him. It was like Hiller, Ordeo, and Kari Ramo. Yeah. Just, they've been <laughs> the kings of just like, what the hell is Obscure going on in that there? Goaltending. Like, yeah. Yeah. And then it was funny because then they swapped goaltenders. They lost uh, Mike Smith. Or sorry, they let Mike Smith walk in free agency to the Oilers. And then they brought in Cam Talbot, who was on the Oilers the season before. So, but also you got to look at it this way too. Like Mark Giordano was the captain of the team. He was making $6.75 million or so. And the expansion draft came up. Captain of the team for, he's been aflamed since God knows when. Captain of the team. And they made that hard decision to let him walk. 
and not protect him and keep Rasmus Anderson. I mean, pretty good bit of work there, no? Uh, look, looking, listen, look, looking at what <laughs> what transpired in the playoffs, yeah, that was that was a good decision to make. No, come on, he wouldn't have been under contract this year for that. No, play. of course, but I assume they probably would have extended him. Probably would have stayed there for a little longer and would have blocked possible. anybody who they had potentially moving up in the in their roster, and it would have been tough for a team to look at that and see a veteran player like that trickle down their roster towards the third pairing. So it's a tough decision that he made and ended up being the right one, I would say, for him. Yeah. So something to also keep of note there. Um, I will say I don't – obviously, I don't love the uh, Lake Coleman contract. I mean, this is not a guy that's putting up – he's a good two-way player, but I don't know if he's worth five or four or nine four or nine. five nine or yeah, whatever a little he's rich. making. little rich. It's a pretty rich one right there, but, yeah. you know – who hasn't made that contract here? <laughs> so who knows? Um, who knows how those contracts go down to, yeah, right? Like so. a de- another decent one was um Tanef. Like he's a solid defenseman. Unfortunately, you know, he signed a bit of an older defensive defenseman. Obviously, the wear and tear is getting to him slowly, but he's a solid defenseman, I would say too. Uh, he's pretty he's better than solid. I think he's pretty good. Yeah, it's just okay. his availability is yeah. terrific. So that's the thing. Yeah. Um, Michael Stone, I wouldn't be surprised. Michael Stone, for some reason, just keep like for some reason, Trilliving keeps keeping him around in Calgary. Actually, signed him to a good extension, bought him out of that. I don't know if he signed the extension, but if you look at Michael Stone's track record with the Flames, it's kind of in terms of contracts and such, it's kind of wild. Yeah, one year minimum deals aware? for the last. They signed him to bought out by the Flames. Wow. They signed him with three and a half, bought him out, and then just signed him for minimum deals from here on out. How many years has he been signing minimum deals for? The last one, two, three, four, four years with Calgary. How funny is that, though? That's weird. Yeah, that's really weird. He signed him to that extension. Yeah, bought him out and then brought him back. Bought him out and then brought him back. Well, I mean, to be fair, he was coming off that 36 point season with Arizona in 75 games. Um, Where was Trey living before Calgary in Arizona? I guess, <laughs> I guess that makes sense. So he's probably his <laughs> oh, guy. God. And then he's just been bringing him back on minimum deals. Like this is, I, I don't think there's a funnier cap friendly than this guy. Yeah. And now guess who's a, you have unrestricted free agent this year. Michael stone. Welcome. Michael to stone. So uh, do not be surprised if the Leafs somehow bring him in. And he's also, not only is it like the cap friendly is funny, he's also just kind of a hilarious player to watch because <laughs> he, as I mentioned, with like Luke Shen had a tendency to do it. He kind of reeled it back in with the Leafs. But Michael Stone is the king of just winder up, tickle the rafters, and slap shot no matter what the hell is going on in the play. He loves to just wind it up and clap it on net. Yeah. yeah. Kind of a funny player to watch as well. But yeah, Michael Stone, future Maple Leaf. <laughs> if True Living signs, obviously. If True Living signs, of course. Yeah. So those are some thoughts on Brad True Living. Some solid drafting too. I mean, look at their their AHL team this year was very, very good. I mean, Dustin Wolf was a fantastic seventh round pick. He looks to be very promising. His skating is awesome too. He's a smaller goaltender, but skates extremely, extremely well and has put up some very good numbers in the WHL and AHL. So who knows? Maybe he's able to push out Vladar or uh, 
for the backup role next year, or maybe win some starts too. Uh, on top of that, Matthew Phillips has been putting up great numbers in the AHL. I believe he was another seventh round pick. Connor Zeri, Jacob Peltier, Dylan Dubé was a uh, a developed prospect from. He was only a second round pick. Like when you look at their twenty sixteen draft, like they've got some. The fifteen sixteen was a big big one for them. Those two yeah. years. They but also you got to well. look at like part of the reason they were able to draft some of these pretty good players like Coronado at 13. Um, actually, the, and like Matthew Kachuk at number six in even Sam. Well, no, not Sam Bennett. That's before then. But Kachuk at six and Cor, uh, Coronado at 13 is because they disappointed and missed the playoffs those yeah. years and were able to get a higher pick. So yeah. that's the luxury that truly, well, not luxury. It's, you know, it's a shitty situation, but he was able to kind of pick some good players from the team, not performing to the level that you would have liked them to. Um, One other thing before we get off Trey living, the other thing to make of note with him and his tenure with the flames, in my opinion, it kind of looks like he really banked on Goudreau Monaghan carrying this team. And then obviously Kachuk when he came in too, uh, but the big thing was from early on in his tenure, it was Goudreau Monaghan is going to carry this team. And unfortunately that fell short. And so the team didn't achieve to the uh, level that they wanted to. Not everyone can have a core of three young players who consistently put up almost two of them putting up a hundred points. One of them putting up 70, yeah. 80 points a year. Fortunate as least fans yeah. could be much and worse. To Mon- I mean, unfortunately for Monaghan, like didn't injuries the got body. the best of them. Yeah. Yeah, the the injuries got the best of him. Like, like at uh, let's see here, twenty twenty when he was twenty one years old, sixty two points, twenty two sixty three. But then, fifth drops to fifty eight, sixty four, up to eighty two, and then just down, down, down from eighteen nine from nineteen twenty and onwards. Unfortunately, because the body just couldn't hold up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe could have realized earlier. Hey, these guys aren't going to be what I think they are, or maybe just the injuries caught up in a certain way that they didn't expect them. I mean, Goudreau wasn't that, that consistent, I would say either. I mean, when you look at it, like looking at his numbers, 70, 64 in his rookie year, and then 78 down to 61, up to 84, up to 99, drops all the way down to 58 after that, and then 49 and 56. And then after that, 115 points yeah so it's like you know they did win some playoff rounds give them credit you know we only won one <laughs> but yeah those are my thoughts on true living he's all right he's, he's made some good moves i wouldn't I would, this is not the end of the world yeah this is it's it's a fine bring in yep yeah i think right? that's fair yeah so we'll see though he's not guaranteed just want to share my thoughts on a potential candidate Right. Yep. I think those thoughts are pretty fair, nuanced. Again, like it's easy to complain about this, that, the other guy, but I mean, I think he's fine. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. And to close out the episode, uh, let's get through this quick. What would you be fine with in extending the core for? We'll start with William Nylander. What would you be fine with William Nylander? Uh, I'd be fine with. Uh, it's so tough of what I'd be fine. What I'd like him to sign for would be under ten. 
Um, wow. Yeah. Okay. So like if you could sign for nine, that'd be ideal. Tur- Tur- I was is- saying nine. Yeah. I was saying nine by eight. Yeah. Tur- I will say this though. What happened when he was signing his extension out of his entry level deal? To take he waited. To- he's not one to, he's not one to sign early. It seems like. Yeah. He's willing to fight and he's willing to bet on himself because he's a confident little sucker. So nine yeah. by eight right now, but I can see him waiting until next yeah. offseason. I hope he- I honestly, ideally we can get him for eight. Um, cause I think there are some players out there who are making nine who are probably better than him, but there's also some players who are making well, Fiala at seven, worse eight, than him. like Fiala yeah. is comparable at seven, eight, right? Yep. yep. That's like Forsberg's at eight something. Yeah. Somewhat comparable there too, you know? Yep. Yeah. Uh, so. yeah. Fiala is pretty, pretty bang on comparison for him. I feel like so yeah. Fiala kind of got screwed. So <laughs> yeah, not screwed, uh, but you know. Anyways, making a good chunk of change. Yeah, I'm not not feeling sorry for him. So looking at the uh, Fiala us, trade, I'd probably want to keep him and sign him to what Fiala got, then trade him if we, if we end up having to trade him. Anyways, anyways, moving on. Austin Matthews. Uh oh, God. Um, here's the thing. It's so tough because again, he's a year a year ago he was the best player in the NHL. This year, it's tough to say if he was in a top ten player this year. Like mm-hmm. he was struggling. Like if you consider like the playoffs as well, in that second round didn't look too too good um i mean i would hope you would get no no more than what mckinnon got or if he did get more it'd be like a dollar more than what mckinnon got yeah that's, that's what i was thinking that's kind of like what the ceiling is of i would what i want to see but again the, with these these two guys who are on the horizon um i would want them to see them actually take less if they want to be here that's what i want to see out of out of anything i want us yeah. to i want us to be wrong about these predictions and for them to come in lower even yeah. if it comes oh, with hopefully. less term, like I actually don't, frankly, don't care about term. I just want to keep these guys around for at least mm-hmm. the next couple of years, and if we can get them on manageable deals, we I think we can do some pretty fun things. So on a five year deal, I wonder what that AV would be like thirteen. I don't know. A five year deal, you're not getting those junk years. You're not paying for those junk years in the AAV. You're paying for prime years. So that AAV would have to be 13 and a half if he's going five years. Maybe. I don't know. Because that's what you have to consider when comparing McKinnon to, you know, but maybe it's just like, I'm at, I'm already so high up in, in AAV. I've got RBC, bet 99. And well, if he signs for five years, he'll still be 32 when it ends, 31 when it ends. So, yeah. I mean, does it really have to be that high when you're probably going to cash in? A lot on those deals because you tend to have your best years between twenty six and twenty nine. Yeah. So. So I would hope twelve seven though. Yeah. Twelve seven around there. What about Mitch Marner? Um, uh, that one's a year removed, so it's a little harder to kind of talk about that one because the the thing is for the Marner deal, the cap could go up. The cap's supposed to go up like one and a half for next year, but it could go up one, like yeah. go up like two two and a half three, and then be projected to go up a ton more. I doubt that's going to happen, but I feel like the context of the cap is important. Um, I'd probably want him to sign probably closer to 11, 10, 10, 11, maybe. Yeah. Um, that's what I would think. I mean, when you look know. at comparable players, a lot of them did not sign close to 10, nine. Well, well, I don't think there's any comparable player to Mitch Martin. If we're going to be honest, there's no one who really has the same caliber. Maybe, yeah, maybe ranting him, but again, I'd take Marner's two way game. And I think, Marner's been better over the last couple of years than Rantanen has. I guess 
Kachuk is a comparable, maybe, but also it's bullshit because he fucking plays in Florida and he doesn't have to pay taxes. So mm. uh, there you go. Brayden Point. Brayden Point, yeah. Another Florida. Yeah, another Florida guy. So, but yeah, those deals were also signed again, like a year or two ago, and we don't know what the cap situation is going to look like now. So, yeah. Um, and then, yeah. And then the last one is John Tavares. I hope he signs for 750K next next time. Yeah. A real hometown discount yeah. for the boys. Oh, a real, real hometown discount. Yeah. We paid him. We so, paid him. Like, let's freaking. Exactly. Throw us a bone. <laughs> Hopefully, Casper Mastris helps to throw us a bone and just like <laughs> gives him pays. <laughs> we use Casper Mattress, Mattress as a, a money laundering scheme. Should pay him through Casper Mattress and, and uh, Canadian Tire. Uh, anyways, we've unfortunately run out of time here. Uh, that's all we got for today. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Always go.